0: The world is becoming increasingly proficient at telling stories that deny God. As such, we need Thinking Christian to become as natural as breathing. Welcome to the Thinking Christian podcast. I'm Dr. James Spencer. Through calm, thoughtful, theological discussions, Thinking Christian highlights the ways God is working in the world and questions the underlying social, cultural, and political assumptions that hinder Christians from becoming more like Christ. Now, on to today's episode of Thinking Christian. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Thinking Christian. I am joined today by Lowell Busnitz. Uh, Lowell, I hope I'm getting that right. Did I get your last name right? Actually, it's Booznitz. Booznitz. Yeah, yes. I'm glad I asked. I, I should probably have done that before we started recording. But, uh, you know, adds to the charm. Yeah. And so uh, we're going to be discussing... Um, Lowell is sort of a business expert. Um, he's uh, He's been involved. He's... He, done a lot of work uh, and research into entrepreneurship. And so today on Thinking Christian, what we're going to be discussing really is his research, his thoughts on business and entrepreneurship. And so just really excited to have you on today, Lowell, and uh, appreciate you being here. How are you doing?
1: Thank you. Doing well.
0: <coughs> yeah. Well, before we before we get rolling too far, uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us a little bit of your background. Um, yeah. Give us a sense yeah. of who you are.
1: Sure. Sure. I grew up in in kansas a uh, family of six boys and one girl on a farm uh great uh great upbringing um, and uh nice uh a really good home church in in many ways um, I came to know the lord at a at an early age um, decided I wanted to do something different uh, ultimately than uh, full-time ministry, or to farm, like many of my siblings were were doing. Um, ended up going to first of all, got my bachelor's degree from Emporia State, and then um, then did full-time ministry actually for six years with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Fantastic. Uh, then got into the became an entrepreneur, got into the construction industry, um, and uh, had some good years with that but but kind of reached the end of that got bored with it in many ways and so uh, knew I liked the university environment and enjoyed teaching so I uh, decided what I really wanted to do was teach at the university level uh, headed back to grad school and uh, <clears throat> uh, ended up at Texas A&M for my PhD was uh, and then uh, so five years doing my my PhD, and then uh, my first job out was at the University of Houston uh, for oh, six years again, and okay. then uh, then had the opportunity to go to uh, the University of Oklahoma, where uh, where I spent uh, the last twenty years of uh, of my career, and uh, so retired from that full time, still working on some academic papers and some former doctoral students and, uh, and so forth, uh, doing that. So, uh, so yeah, um, it's been, a been a, a great run and, and, uh, very, uh, privileged to, to been on this journey.
0: Well, what was your, you know, how did your faith play a role in your life? When did you, did you grow up Christian? Did you come to faith later in life? Um,
1: yeah, my, my mother led me to the Lord when I was five years old, uh, <clears throat> didn't completely know what I was doing, but i I'm pretty sure the Lord met me <laughs> at that <laughs> point and uh you know had uh various uh points through my growing up years where where just like God had touched me one night when I was probably uh i don't know ten eleven twelve years old uh walking out under the stars uh, on, on the farm I grew up on and got away from the lights a little bit was just awestruck, uh, by, by God's creation. And, and, uh, that was just one of those, uh, one of those moments. Uh, and, uh, you know, in high school, uh, there was, uh, you know, it was really, uh, was a time when I was touched by, uh, first time I was ever touched by a scripture passage that I remember anyway, it was Philippians one, six, uh, that, he who began a good work in you will perform it, and will continue it until the day of Jesus Christ. And uh, mm. I, it just like, you mean, I I don't have to rely on how good I am uh, that, and I have to try to get everything just right uh, in, for the, in order for this journey with the Lord to go forward, but that he was already at work. Continuing mm. that was just a, a really nice breakthrough for me, uh, that really hit me. And, uh, so, so yeah, so those kind of in a nutshell, my early years.
0: (laughs) Very good. Well, I know, you know, we, we talked, uh, (laughs) this isn't our first conversation. So we talked last (laughs) week, um, and we kind of got into your doctoral research and some of what you found during that doctoral research. And so I'm kind of wondering if you'd review that for folks, um, just give us a thumbnail sketch, and then maybe we can dive into that and talk a little bit about how maybe that relates to entrepreneurship uh, in general, Christians and entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship in the church. And, um, yeah, we'll just see where this goes.
1: Sure. Well, I when I started my doctoral program in 1987, boy, I was I I, I did not know what I was in for. Uh <clears throat> was uh, my other degrees had all been from teaching school. So I really had very few clues as to what research was about. And and I learned that if you're going to get, if I was going to get this PhD, that I was going to need to get involved with research. Um, Was in the second semester of my doctoral studies. Uh, It was spring break. uh, And I still felt like I was, on the edge about whether or not I was going to be able to make it. Um, and that spring break, I had uh, a take home exam that I had to do with statistics. Uh, and I had this paper that I needed to write for uh, a doctoral seminar. In, and uh, this week was on and the readings were on decision-making. And so I had to write this paper. Um, and it was uh, you know, the one of the papers that we read was on the use of heuristics and biases and decision-making and heuristics in particular. Heuristics are uh, decision shortcuts, uh, are, are ways of not being, as we maybe normally would call it, completely rational in our decision-making, that when we go and buy a tool or a piece of equipment, or make a decision about whether we're going to go here or go there. We usually don't break out and, you know, bring out the consumer reports and let me do get the analysis here about what brand's better and all that, uh, and and take the time to do that. That that heuristics would be said. Well, you know, last time I had a, I had a really good experience with with DeWalt or Milwaukee tools or something like that. So, okay, I, I need a new, uh, I need a new saw. I'm just going to go and use this brand and be in and out and got it done in a, in a hurry. And, uh, the conjecture I put forward in this, in this paper was that entrepreneurs use, heuristics, decision-making shortcuts more extensively than managers in large organizations do. Mm-hmm. I had been around entrepreneurs, obviously, from the earlier career path and, and, and grew up with a, a number of them around me. Um, the, the literature at that point was basically saying, you know, entrepreneurs really aren't any different from everybody else. <clears throat> the initial research was, you know, the... Have a high need for achievement. They're go getters. They're uh, risk takers. Is, is probably the the biggest characteristic that's associated with entrepreneurs. And uh, and but from a research standpoint, back in the nineteen early eighties, that really that stream just ran out of gas. Uh, people could not. Uh, researchers were finding very few differences. Uh, uh, and, and basically, kind of the consensus was, we need to just get away from looking at the traits of entrepreneurs, because we're not finding anything. We need to go and look at how they make. It's really about the strategies they choose, not how they decide to go there. Well, my paper uh, that I put forward for my professor that uh, for that week uh, really liked my paper that basically said that entrepreneurs make decisions more extensively, use heuristics in their decision-making more extensively than, than managers do. Uh, and he was uh, a, an emerging scholar and became one of the well-recognized scholars around. And, and he, he really liked my idea uh, and, and said, there's a dissertation in this topic if you want it, This is a really important idea. Whether you dissertate on it or not, don't let loose of this idea. Yeah. And so I started working on it. Uh, <clears throat> and, you know, at that point in that juncture that I, I came up with this idea was absolutely a God thing. <laughs> I... One, I I was, I I still was, you know, almost at ground zero trying to figure out what research was about, and and then I put these pieces together. One was uh, was a real God send a, a gift, um, but the other the other part of it that I why I think that I maybe had some impetus to even go down this direction was because of my Christian roots. Uh, and what the scriptures say about giftedness that um, that we all have have different gifts and so from that standpoint it really wasn't foreign to me to think about entrepreneurs being uh, cut out of a little bit of a different mold uh, that that those who go forward uh, do that so And here's kind of the reason why this makes some sense for entrepreneurs.
0: It goes without saying, but the Bible has changed so many lives. Take a second and think about it. If you didn't have access to a Bible or were even allowed to have one, this is a reality that many are facing. That's why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my book, Christian Resistance. Simply text THINKING to 71326 to help today. That's T-H-I-N-K-I-N-G. Or visit give.crew.org backslash thinking. Again, that's give.cru.org backslash thinking. Message and data rates may apply. Available to U.S. addresses only.
1: Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now, 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all
0: states. It goes without saying, but the Bible has changed so many lives. Take a second and think about it. If you didn't have access to a Bible or were even allowed to have one, this is a reality that many are facing. That's why I want to tell you about one of our partner's crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my book, Christian Resistance. Simply text THINKING to 71326 to help today. That's T-H-I-N-K-I-N-G. Or visit give.crew.org backslash thinking. Again, that's give.cru.org backslash thinking. Message and data rates may apply. Available to U.S. addresses only. It goes without saying, but the Bible has changed so many lives. Take a second and think about it. If you didn't have access to a Bible or were even allowed to have one, This is a reality that many are facing. That's why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my book, Christian Resistance. Simply text THINKING to 71326 to help today. That's T-H-I-N-K-I-N-G. Or visit give.crew.org backslash thinking. Again, that's give.cru.org backslash thinking. Message and data rates may apply. Available to U.S. addresses only.
1: To use heuristics more sensibly, they they've got multiple decisions they have to make across the board. Yeah. Uh, You know, there's a saying that uh, uh, I'm a Jack of all trades and, and maybe a master of none, (laughs) Right. (laughs) or maybe it's a Jack of all trades and master one or two Uh, being an entrepreneur. You have to make decisions about buying equipment and you have to make decisions about what's your target market. Are we going to go here? Are we going to go there? Uh, (laughs) Are we at what point are, is this product complete enough to go to market with? And what will we, what innovations will we pursue later on? Um, yeah. uh, who are we going to hire, and and how are we going to do that? Um, uh, just uh, all the 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 manufacturing production process, um, software decisions that have to be made. Across the spectrum, they have to make all these decisions. They can't possibly be use an economics model <laughs> for grinding right. out the data, bringing all that in, and saying this is okay. This is the best decision we can make. They do that; they'll never get around to starting the business. It'll never happen because they're always waiting on more data to come in. Yeah. So if they don't use heuristics. Um, they uh, they'll never never start their venture. So thank goodness that there are some that do it and and actually feel quite comfortable with that. When, uh, uh along the way, uh, you know that it's and it's easy for people from the outside and they first hear about heuristics. It's like it's just a decision shortcut. And I just buy brand name, and right. and it can be that. But there's a lot of times as well that that I discovered that entrepreneurs really have, maybe we can call it a sixth sense about some things, about their product, uh, about this new widget that they're making, that they're coming up with. Um, that they they may not fully understand themselves, but they have worked with it extensively. Uh, and they know that when when I do A, this leads to C and D. I can't explain it, but I know if we if we go this route, I know it'll work. Even though I can't fully explain it, or maybe it's with the market. They've been in the marketplace. They they know potential customers, and <clears throat> and having been around them a while, they, yeah. I don't have any data to prove it, but I. I know it. <laughs> I know it down in my heart that this is, this is the way to go. Uh, yeah. This is a market to pursue. And, uh, and so, so it's a way, heuristics are, are a way of making some decisions that, that our deeper sixth sense knows about uh, and, uh, and allows us to get through the decision-making process of a startup. And so in that sense, using heuristics can be a real asset for entrepreneurs and starting new businesses.
0: So let me try to summarize a little bit of that just so um, folks who maybe aren't as familiar with decision-making literature and heuristics. um, So what you were arguing was, number one, um, it's not just that uh, entrepreneurs learn to use heuristics more effectively, like anybody could use heuristics, right? We all use them all the time anyway. Yes. Um, But that they are actually... Gifted at um, applying those heuristics across a wide variety of domains, and taking the risk that they're not missing a lot, or that what they're missing is uh, relatively insignificant to the tasks that they're going after. Is that a, a fair yes, summary?
1: It is. That's a that's a great summary.
0: Yeah. And so it's not so much that anybody could quote learn to be an entrepreneur like these characteristics, you might be able to learn heuristics. You you could learn to use heuristics, obviously, like that, I think is clear. But I would assume um, and correct me if I'm wrong, that what you're suggesting is and what your research found is that these entrepreneurs actually had it inherently. Like it's something that was embedded within their brains. That is not necessarily something that no one else can do. But it's that it's their basic orientation. And so when it's your basic orientation, you just get really good at it. It's almost like having, uh, yeah. I, like I mentioned on a podcast a lot, like I used to be in personal training and you, you know, I'd see these guys who are like the big bodybuilders, you know, like they, yeah. you know, they compete or whatever. And, and it's like, it didn't matter if I matched their workout, my genetics just were never going to allow me to get to that level. Yeah. It's just, it, some of it's just natural, Right. Yeah. And I think it's very similar to what you're saying about the entrepreneurs. It's like, yeah, you could match some of their thought patterns. You can identify those and understand what it is kind of that they're doing and how they're using these heuristics. But there's still that embedded orientation that you're never really going to have that's very natural to you and gifted to you. Is that is that fair?
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think there's, you know, I, it's not black and white. Uh, yeah. and, you
0: know, there's there's
1: people who are are really given to the use of your six decision-making in decision-making <clears throat> and, and as soon as the decision process becomes more systematized uh, you know, they're, <laughs> they're out of there, right. you know, audios. I'm, you know, this, this is ridiculous. This is a waste of time. I, I can't stand it. Yeah. Um, whereas where others can maybe do it for a season. And then when the business matures, they they naturally bring in more, Um, maybe a little bit more systematic approaches, but, but yeah, um, you know, I, there's really, there's really, uh, it's a, it's really beneficial for the startup process that that you just can't get through all the decisions and all the, all the data that, uh, that is there, but it's also, it's not just shortcuts. It's the, there, there's also that deeper sense about what's going on in a marketplace with, with a product that I'm working on, that they, there's this sense that, yeah you know, this is the, if we knew all, if all the data was available, A would lead to B would lead to C, but that data is not there, but they That's sense that it's there. Yeah. and yeah. And therefore they are able to get there.
0: Yeah. It's a way to make inferences about <laughs> yes. what could be, in the absence of information, and I know a lot of people are uncomfortable with that. Um, yeah.
1: yeah, I think it's funny. It's,
0: I, I mean, it, I, I will say so. My specialty is in Old Testament, right? And so um, the difference between you all, you know, in seminary, you always talk about the difference between Hebrew and Greek. Uh, <laughs> Greek is very structured. You know, it's there's far less guesswork. Um, it's got a you know a, a very, a comparatively more rigid sort of framework that it follows versus hebrew you can find some patterns but a lot of it's more like word plays and it's more uh, i would describe it as a more artistic language right (laughs) and so it it sort of lends itself you you have to figure out how to infer what's going on as opposed to really structurally diagramming it out and figuring out how all this fits together and it seems to me that that's sort of the difference here right In, in in the absence of that information you know in the absence of the greek you're sort of left with the Hebrew and you're saying,
1: How do I maneuver
0: within all of this and understand what I'm doing? And you do have to make some calculated guesses, essentially.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: Interesting.
1: Uh, yeah. This is a <clears throat> let me read you a quote from an entrepreneur who uh, when I was gathering my data, uh, would not answer my questionnaire. Uh, you know, and I said <laughs> I think I did three rounds of questionnaires. So somebody, you know, I'd send it out and and I'd get people to respond. And then, but 80% of them did So I'd send them another survey to get my response rate up. And then a third survey. And, and he yeah. finally got tired of getting surveys in the mail. And he <laughs> folded up the survey, put it in and wrote me this note. <laughs> you see, people who are engaged in business such as mine are rarely influenced by surveys because they don't place any stock in them. Survey reports in general are the most highly prized by those individuals who lack sufficient knowledge of a matter in which they are required to make a decision. It is my considered opinion that those individuals are not going to be found successfully engaging in entrepreneurial businesses. So he he, he didn't understand really what I was going for with the survey. But, you know, the survey was just data to him. And he says, no, you know, I'm not going to do that. Uh, That's that's not the uh, uh, that's not what's required to run an entrepreneurial business. And those people won't be found in entrepreneurial ventures. He didn't give me the survey answered back, but he gave me an important data point.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You could almost infer his uh, survey responses from that quote. Uh, I mean, yeah, Yeah. it's really interesting. I mean, I I think as we, you know, as we think about the decision-making process and the, you know, like you connected this to Christian giftedness. And so um, maybe we can kind of pivot there a little bit, but I, I mean, I think that, there is sort of a, an embedded giftedness, but we don't often think about how that giftedness expresses itself in decision-making. Yeah. And and so, um, you know, as you talked to me about your work prior to this and just, and I'm listening to you now, it it seems to me that that's a really crucial connection that we don't often make right. That your individual Christian giftedness is probably going to shift the way It's going to color the way you see the world just a little bit. Absolutely. It's going to shift the way you make decisions a little bit, and it's going to um, allow you to maybe take some shortcuts or make some different intuitions about the situation you're in um, that would be very different than someone else. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to this first part of the interview with Lol Boosnitz. I'll get that right at the end, even though I didn't get it right at the beginning. Hey, tomorrow, come on back. We're going to listen to the second half of this interview where Lowell and I continue to discuss decision-making, entrepreneurship, and a variety of other topics. Thanks for tuning in today, and uh, I'll see you tomorrow on Thinking Christian. just want to take a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the Thinking Christian podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more.